Blog Talk Radio. Too, man, it was real cool in school if we got good grades. Like straight up babes, our parents would take us to a 76 game. I got my game and there ain't no shame. Big shots of Mo Cheeks and Moses Malone. Julius Server called Philly is home. Bobby Jones, Daryl Dawkins, and Tony Sinking Freeze. Rocky Bobo will come from South Philly. But if you want to make it on time to the show, there's only one road that you really have to know. So get to Fishtown without all that job. I suggest that you drive on I-95. Want to get downtown but feel in the fix. Get on that road they call 676 the most expensive expense piece of interstate they ever made the fellas ain't famous but they got the game getting on 76ers travel by lane this Larry Bird get it lost 76ers Hello and welcome to the Summer League edition of the State of Independence podcast. I'm your host, Jeff McMenamin, a Metro Philly, along with ESPN True Hoop writer Michael Kasky Blomain. As always, you can add our podcast on the app Stitcher and make sure to follow us on Twitter at 76ers Report. And, you know, we have another special guest on the show today to provide us with uh, some Sixers insight here. Mark Perner of the Philadelphia Daily News. Uh, you know, Mark's very knowledgeable with all things Sixers and, you know, NBA draft related. Um, you know, we've spent many a times arguing over certain players on Twitter over the years. And uh, how are you, Mark? And have you enjoyed watching, you know, some Sixers Summer League the past few weeks here? I like what I've seen them look for a lot. Um, I've always stressed that good players always get their numbers. And uh, Okafor is getting his numbers every night. Um, he's fighting in there. I can see him trying different things, which kind of excites me. Um, I could see, like the other night, Porzingis blocked a couple of his shots. He made a couple of adjustments. Um, but Porzingis is just so freaking long. He's like Inspector Gadget out there. Um, but, he, <laughs> but he's like he's like overcoming that. Um, I see him working on um, some um, uh, 15, 18-foot bank shots. Um I, I just think that he really wants to be the next Tim Duncan. And um, I can see the similarities, not yet, um, but I, I can definitely see the similarities. I'm, I'm, he uh, he seems like a terrific young kid who really wants to win. And uh, God knows the uh, Sixers really need a player like that. And, Mark, you know, I'll start with you on this. Obviously, you know, the big news out of Philadelphia has been the foot graft surgery on, on Joel's foot. Uh, you know, keeping him out another year. Uh, you know, the surgery kind of had mixed results over the years for other centers. You know, Il Galskis had it back in 2001, ended up playing right. 10 seasons after. Uh, Yao Ming had it 2009 and only played in five more, you know, NBA games to end his career. Obviously, right. you know, Brooke Lopez and Kevin Durant are kind of recent examples here. But, you know, how nervous are you for Embiid's sake? And do you think it might be time to – kind of move on from the idea of him ever being that kind of cornerstone type player again? Now, that, that's a fair question. Um, I'm not overly concerned um, because he's, he's just 21 years old. Um, and the same thing with Ogowskis, when, when it happened with him, um, you know, the Cavaliers took their time, made sure it was right, and then he had a productive career. I can see the same thing with Embiid, where they want to get it right, they want to get him you know, where this there'll be to limit any kind of reoccurrence 
um, I think it's a really smart move. Um, and with, with Yao, I, I, I really think it was a matter of him being in the middle of a career. And I'm sure the Rockets were also rushing to get him back. Um, and that never helps the situation, especially with a foot, especially with a big man. Um, you're also talking about um, Durant. They, they just rushed him back last year because it was so desperate. And you don't mess with the foot um, at all. I mean, it's kind of funny that we're talking about this because my father actually was a podiatrist. So, uh, hmm. I, I, so maybe, uh, maybe I'm a little more sensitive when it comes to the foot. But uh, <laughs> as, far as, as, as far as Embiid is concerned, uh, I, I really believe that the, the Sixers are doing the right thing. But they to move on as if he's no longer part of the program, at least the thought process, and that whatever they get out of him after this is, is a bonus. Um, I think that's, that's just the safest way to do it. I mean, the, the Phillies kind of got stuck in a situation where they were hoping Ryan Howard would come back from a rupture to kill his tenant, um, and it didn't happen. Yeah. And they, were hope, they, were hoping, they were hoping that all these things would happen without a plan B. Um, I, I think Hinky drafting Okafor, Okafor was genius. I, I really do. I, I, I don't, I don't want to say that you know Hinky is a genius, but I just thought it was a terrific move um, because a lot of other uh, a lot of other GMs in the NBA um, would have panicked or you know done something or would, would have done something stupid. Um, but he was smart. He took the kid, um, took the best player available as he always does, and um, I think it was a really smart move. So you know if, if Embiid is, it, as long as the kid's healthy when he's 22, 23, 24, 25. Then you know it's no big deal. Yeah, and you know I, I kind of expected it, but it's yeah. nevertheless devastating to hear news like that. You know, I've been reading up all I can, you know, about the healing process of the procedure, the recovery time, basically just everything kind of surrounding it here. And you know, most things I read say that even with successful surgery, pain could even linger as long as you know two years after. So, you know, bottom right. line, this. This seems very bad, and, you know, Embiid was kind of impatient with that first recovery. So, you know, um, it kind of doesn't bode well having another one. But, you know, Mike, where do you think Embiid's head is at, you know, in this whole process? And do you think mentally and physically he'll be able to, you know, overcome this uh, second surgery here? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, that's always something you have to worry about with a kid that's sidelined for so long, you know, making sure he stays on track stays, you know, dedicated to the rehab process and getting himself healthy on the court. Um, you know, with so many distractions around young guys like that with, uh, you know, with money and finances like that, it's, it's obviously important that he stays on the court. And, you know, by Joe, Joel, is, he's a great kid. You know, he, he really wants to get out there. And I think any issues that he had, you know, rushing back last season really just stemmed from his, you know, desire to want to really want to get out on the court and help the team that, you know, kind of took a took a risk by drafting him. I think he understands that the Sixers did. Um, you know, they took a, a big risk in picking him, and they've done nothing but you know show him support since uh, you know since he's been here, and they're taking their time with him. They're, they're not rushing him back. So I mean, he he has a support system around him, and as far as the team is concerned, I think that that should really help him. You know, stay on track. He seems to be really close with a. Uh, you know, a lot of the guys, I thought it was great to see him show up in Vegas, uh, you know, to support the summer league team. I was, you know, almost, almost surprised to see him on the bench, um, you know, in light of the devastating news about him having to miss another season. Um, so uh, as far as the team aspect, uh, you know, I, I think there's good people around him that'll help, 
you know, help him keep his head on straight. It has to be a difficult situation for, you know, a kid so young to be halfway around the world from his family. And, you know, the one thing that he had that he loved to do has been taken away from him for, you know, what was one year now going on two years with really without an end date in sight. So, I mean, it's it's definitely a tough situation and it's something that, you know, there's no answer to right now. We have to keep an eye on, you know, throughout the next season and the one after and, you know, see how he handles it and progresses throughout the time. But, you know, it, it's not an Andrew Bynum type situation where you, you think he's, you know, out there doing foolish things, not really necessarily as dedicated to his comeback and his rehab with the team as he should be. You know, I just, I don't get that feeling from Joel at this point. And, uh, you know, I thought Mark made a great point earlier as far as the team perspective that, uh, you know, anything you get from him, if he, if he can eventually get healthy and contribute to the team, it's, it's basically a bonus at this point. I mean, you can't quite count on him as, you know, a cornerstone going forward, at least at this point. But, uh, you know, you certainly hope for the best. And if if eventually he's able to come back and complement, you know, a strong front court that they have already in Okafor and Noel, that would obviously be the best case scenario. Yeah. And, you know, the, the second I heard Okafor's name called on draft night, you kind of sense Embiid would be out for a while. Uh, you know, Okafor has just been a force to be reckoned with in, in summer league so far offensively, at least on the low blocks, um, you know, scoring, at will, with an array of post moves, uh, he's averaging 15.4 points and 8.4 rebounds in five summer league games here. You know, he hasn't shown us much of a jump shot or, you know, defensive ability just yet. But the hope is that, you know, Nerlens might be able to back him up there on the defensive end. Mark, how do you see Jalil, you know, fitting into the current Sixers roster? And, um, you know, do you think he'll take his lumps early here in the, the NBA season? Well, first of all, I, I, I just I think we overplay the word devastating. Um, I mean, it's concerning, uh, but devastating is really strong. I, I mean, if the poor kid had like cancer or something, that's devastating. <laughs> or, if, or if his career was over um, and he had nothing to go back to, um, that's devastating. I mean, it, it's concerning, um, but um, you know, I, I, I just I, I, you know, I just think devastating is. I've, and I've read it a lot. It's not just here. I've, I've been reading it, you know, obviously since the news came out. And uh, I, I really kind of disagree with that. Um, if he was 27 years old or whatever, and it was the end of his career, then maybe yeah, it's a little bit more devastating. But he's still a kid. Um, but anyway, that being said, I, he has so much skill set. There we go, using that word skill set. But he, he really does. I mean, he's so intriguing because he can shoot from anywhere. He, he, he can, his footwork is like a guard. Um, I, I, I think a lot, and it's kind of, maybe it's a good thing in a way, we're going to see what Okafor and Noel can do together. And then you can see how, how Embiid can fit in. Now, because Embiid does, you have three young guys, three bigs, who are entirely different players. All three are, not one's like the other, um, which is really cool. Uh, but Embiid can... Each, each one's going to have a different role on the offensive and on the defensive side, and that's where it's really going to come into play uh, because, you know, Okafor is just an inside guy, and B can pop out uh, defensively. Uh, you know, Okafor is not as strong um, defensively, although I do see some really good things from him um, so far in the summer league. Um, but uh, defensively, Noel is he, – he, he's going to be a defensive player of the year one day. I, I think he's that special. Um, 
And Embiid is also a great defensive presence inside. So, again, I think a lot will depend on his recovery and, and how quick, you know, if he still has that quickness, um, still has that footwork. Um, but it, it's hard to tell. I mean, that's why, you know, Brett Brown gets the big bucks. You know, he's going to have to figure it out. But the fact that all three are different really gives Brett Brown a lot to pick from. So, um, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I was impressed with it, with Embiid. Uh, at training camp last year, where I see him sitting in a chair, and he's hitting 15 foot jump, sh- 15 foot shots. He can't be jump shots in the chair, but hitting 15 foot shots in a chair with the boot on. And then I'm watching, <laughs> then I'm watching Port Merlin's trying to hit foul shots, totally healthy, and he couldn't do it. So, <laughs> so we're talking about two entirely different players, and uh, I, I think it's going to allow Noel and Okafor to really grow this year. Uh, and, and to really produce, and then you'll be adding Embiid, hopefully, after that to see how he fits in. So um, it, it's a good problem to have, um, and if they're all similar or all were lacking some major bigger things that you couldn't use, then I, I'd be concerned. But, um, I, you know, it, he, he's a great piece to fit in. I, I just think that they'll figure it out. They'll figure yeah, and, out. you know, I – I'm kind of weathering my expectations when it comes to Okafor right now. I mean, I've never seen, you know, a Sixers rookie dominate in the way he has been in a long time um, in in the summer league. Um, So I'm being very critical. You know, I've noticed that he is somewhat slow. You know, he did have some trouble against Porzingis, you know, finishing around the rim. His foul shooting, you know, is is pretty bad right now, so that could be a problem moving forward. But you know, his, his footwork is just outstanding. Um, yeah. I, I think his speed and his athleticism might be an issue down the road. But Mike, how do you see him faring? You know, against maybe more of an elite big down the road, such as Sway Howard and and Anthony Davis. Yeah, I mean, his play in the summer league has definitely been promising. Uh, you know, it'll probably, obviously, certainly help his game when they put some, uh, you know, actual shooters around him that will, you know, spread the floor and make defenses think right. twice about, you know, doubling down on the post. Uh, you know, then we'll get to see if he can, what kind of a passer he is. Uh, you know, I like his uh, his his dribbling. He's, he has decent handles for a guy his size. Um, you know, he can he likes to face up and, you know, he might be able to take, a, uh, you know, a bigger defender like a Dwight Howard that you mentioned off the dribble. Um, you know, he's obviously going to have to compensate, you know, for the lack of athleticism, per se, like around the rim. He's not obviously explosive. He doesn't have a 44-inch vertical leap. He's, uh, you know, he's kind of more on-the-ground type guy, plays around in the paint. Uh, you know, I think that'll come with just experience, uh, you know, as he gets used to playing against some of these guys that are bigger than him and maybe more athletic and, uh, you know, able to jump higher. He'll have to come up with moves, uh, you know, to compensate for that with, you know, as you guys both already mentioned, he has very solid footwork for a 19 year old, which is already a great start, um, you know, to start developing some go-to moves down in the low post. And I think that's, uh, you know, like I said, I think that's something that'll just come with a couple of years of experience with playing um, with some of these guys, um, you know, I mentioned uh, a couple of days ago on Twitter, I mentioned uh, Al Jefferson as a comparison point for him just in the uh, in the fact of Jefferson's a guy that uses, uh, you know, his body in a, in a way to make up, uh, you know, for his, he doesn't, not necessarily the most athletic guy, but he still has been able to get, you know, consistently be an offensive option throughout the years. And he's, uh, you know, he's used his body and his size and his IQ to kind of overcome the lack of athleticism. And, uh, you know, I think it, 
Okafor will hopefully and most likely be a much better player all around than Jefferson. But, uh, you know, as he gets used to playing against some of these guys, he'll uh, he'll develop his own knack for scoring, I think. And, uh, like, uh, as I mentioned, his ability to dribble and, uh, you know, uh, hopefully add a somewhat reliable jump shot and work on his free throws. Uh, you know, it'll pretty be a, a pretty competent all-around offensive package that'll make him, uh, you know, pretty dangerous and tough to guard for, you know, some of the guys bigger around the league. If I could interject there, you know, playing in the East, how many dominant big men are there? You know, there's not that many. So I think right there he he's in an advantage. And, uh, you know, and, and, and again, the Duncan comparison, how athletic is Tim Duncan? You know what I mean? Like, in a way, he, he, kind of, he plays below the rim as well. Uh, you know, using smarts and guile and, and all that kind of good stuff. So I, I just think the athleticism is overrated um, as long as he's smart and can get his shots off. Um, but against the longer players like Porzingis, um, he's going to have to learn how to adjust there. Uh, that that was really telling to me, which was good. I mean, Porzingis didn't do – but otherwise, you know, earlier in the game, Porzingis couldn't he, – he, Porzingis didn't even belong on the court with him. So <laughs> – you know, uh, he just ate him up. He just tore, tore Porzingis up at the beginning of the game. So, um, I, yeah, again, I think athleticism is a little overrated. Uh, but the kid knows what he's doing. He really knows what he's doing. He has a plan every time he gets in. Um, he knows how to score. Um, he, again, like we said, he has to pick up on his defense and uh, also his foul shooting. Um, but, you know, look what Noel did last year with his foul shooting. And, and Noel had a lot worse touch on the ball than Okafor does. So, you know, I think the kid will work on that. Um, I also saw the Sixers um, pulling it out and having him defend the perimeter a little bit, um, which I think was really good. Um, and he did pretty well out there. Um, so, you know, he showed some length and he, he bothered people out there. And I think that might be the role for him on defense, especially if he's going to be paired up with Noel, um, just chasing guys out there and, and stuff. So I, I, I think Brett Brown will work it out. Uh, but when you have a Noel there, he covers up a lot of mistakes, uh, so I think that'll be that'll really help Okafor a lot defensively until he until he gets it. Yeah, I agree, and I mean the the talent pool in terms of centers in the East, like you said, it it's not as great as as out West. You know, you you have Timothy Mozgov, right. Al Horford. Um, there there's not too many great centers in the East. Uh, I guess Nene with uh you know the the Wizards. Nene's 60 years old, so I'm not worried about him at all. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> his knees are. His knees are, of course. Yes, yes, um, exactly. But, uh, you know, moving on to some of the other summer league topics, the point guard situation is still very much unclear. You know, Pierre Jackson was just signed. Tony Roden should be ready for the season as well. Um T.J. McConnell played decent in summer league so far. Isaiah Cannon's really struggled. Uh, Scotty Wilbekin actually has been playing great, but he has a contract in Australia. Uh, Jordan McRae has played pretty bad when they threw him in there, point guard. And there's now rumors that they might be going after Norris Cole. Uh, Mike, what do you make of, you know, the Sixers' current point guard situation, and how do you see that playing itself out? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely probably the most intriguing uh, roster spot on the team right now. Probably the one that has the most options. Uh, you know, TJ McConnell was, was nice, and it's a nice story. He he just didn't do enough for me uh, in the summer league to think I'd, he'd warrant a roster spot. I mean, maybe an invite to camp, but, 
you know, the Pierre Jackson signing was one that I think a lot of Sixers Nation was happy about seeing after, uh, you know, a tough time. He, he went down with the Achilles injury last year. It's nice to see him, you know, stick around and fight back and get, uh, you know, get the Sam Hinkie special partially guaranteed contract here and give himself an opportunity to, uh, you know, show his stuff on the Sixers team this year. Uh, you know, at any point guard that they do play, kind of like Ishmith and uh, Noel Begay started to, you know, get a little chemistry last year and, this year you throw Okafor into that mix. I think, uh, you know, whoever it is will have, obviously, a couple nice, really nice uh, low-post options to dish to. Um, Scotty Wilbekin, uh, as you mentioned, Jeff, was, uh, you know, he, he played nice for the for the team in Vegas. I think he had six threes uh, the other day. But kind of like uh, TJ, he was just, you know, he's very limited in what else he, what, what he can bring other than the shooting, which is, uh, you know, obviously something the team needs, but I don't think they're willing to, or, you know, necessary yet to fill that spot. So, I mean, I think Pierre Jackson and obviously uh, the return of Tony Roten will be, uh, you know, maybe one of the two options to look at with the point guard uh, to start the season at least, see how it goes, maybe uh, continue to evaluate Isaiah Cannon now that, uh, you know, another low-post presence in Okafor will be in there and he could use some shooting to balance and space the floor. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, definitely the, uh, probably the main position to monitor heading into training camp. Yeah, you know, I like what Pierre can potentially bring with his quickness and shooting, but, you know, recovering from that Achilles tear is not an easy injury to recover from. Um, you know, plenty of players to go through from that. Uh, we all know what Roden can do. I don't think McConnell or Cannon had proved enough to me to, you know, make that final roster spot. Um, really hoping Hinky does something here before the season. I still don't know why Ish Smith hasn't been re-signed here, but Mark, you know, can any of these guys be a starting point guard for this team when the season starts? It's funny, you know, um, on draft night, I'm screaming at the television, take a guard, take a guard, take a guard. Where's my where's my point guard? Because I, I love point guards. That, that's just, you know, I, nowadays you can't run it. You just can't have a team without a, a, a decent point guard. Um, but there really weren't any there available that I would have picked, especially in the second round. Um, but when they signed McConnell, I, 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 I was pretty happy because um, if they would have drafted him, I would have been just as happy. Um, McConnell a, is a leader. Um, he's a really nice passer, but he, he, he's like he's afraid to shoot, and you can't have that in the NBA. Um, you you got to be able to shoot. Um, Wilbekin is a typical summer league guy where he puts up 26 and everybody gets excited. And I, I was included because uh, I've always liked Wilbekin. I liked him when he was a flyer. But um, he, but then the next night he goes for 11 and shoots 5 for 15. You know, the name of the game in the NBA is consistency. And you got to really show that in summer league. And you got to be able to do it night in and night out. Uh, like I said earlier about getting numbers. And uh, I like Wilbekin, but, he, he, you know, I mean, he's six feet tall. Uh, and the same with Pierre Jackson. Um, you know, I think he went over last night, like over six and three. Um, and I really haven't seen him run the team, uh, which is what they really need him to do, especially him being five ten. Because uh, you don't need a five foot ten, you know, uh, shooting guard. Um, so quite honestly, I don't, I don't think uh, any of those guys are going to make any uh, going to make any, a major impact in the season. Um, Tony Roten, as much as I can't believe I'm actually saying this. Um, is their best op- is their best option right now. Uh, I mean, he's six six. He can go to the rim um, as long as he lets the as long as he, he lets the game come to him. 
and make the easy passes instead of the ridiculous no look into the corner passes that that end up in the third row. Um, as long as he can play, um, you know, just play under control a little bit more, he's not going to give you the outside shot, but at least he gives you a guy who's 6'6", he can defend, and, you know, he can get to the rim. Uh, I mean, I like him over any, any of the other options in, 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 uh, that they have in summer league. Of course, and, uh, you know, once again, this is the State of Independence podcast. I'm your host, Jeff McMenamin, alongside Michael Kasky-Blomain and special guest Mark Perner. Um, and, Mike, you know, I read a story from Yahoo's Kelly Dwyer today. Um, he said that, you know, in a recent interview with Julia Serving, he said that the Sixers' <laughs> plan all along, dating back to 2012, was a seven-year plan where the team would start being elite in the 2019 season. Um, and he, you know, goes ahead and says, you know, seven years ago today, uh, the Sixers had a team that won 40 games with Andre Miller, Kyle Korver, and Willie Green. <laughs> Do you feel like that was the plan all along, um, you know, to start winning in 2019? That seems a little far-fetched to me. But what do you think of this, uh, you know, Julia Serving statement? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you peg an, an exact year of when you, you know, plan to contend, like, to the number to say, yeah, in seven years from right now, we're going to build a contender. Um, you know, I certainly don't miss the days of the 40-win Andre Miller-led uh, Sixers, I'll tell you that. But, uh, you know, I don't think it was necessarily just seven years as much as I think that kind of just shows that the plan all along was not, you know, a two, three year turnaround, but maybe more of a, you know, a spread out one that was going to take a, quite a few years to, you know, develop and build a decent asset base. It's not just on the team, but, you know, players that are spread overseas, um, you know, in the development league, you know, just assets and, you know, in the form of picks coming in the future, cap space, uh, you know, you had to really re restructure a team, especially a team like the Sixers that had been, you know, middle, middle of a pack team for, you know, so long a decade with, uh, you know, some chunky contracts that didn't necessarily quite mesh and fit together, um, you know, to in order to clear all that out and start over and begin to acquire, you know, brand new assets and especially young talent, which is, you know, the, the best way to not only be good, but build a team that's going to perennially contend, um, you know, probably the best example of this right now is the Warriors, uh, you know, current champions out West. There's a process for them that, you know, started back with drafting Steph Curry kind of year by year. They added pieces mainly through the draft, you know, Clay Thompson, Draymond, uh, Harrison Barnes, and then, you know, a couple a small moves here and there in free agency. And then, you know, adding someone like Andre Iguodala pushes, you know, can push a team over the top. And, uh, you know, that's obviously, I think, the, the mold that the Sixers are aiming for, just having, you know, a lot of their own young talents that they've, they've brought in through the draft. And then, uh, you know, when the team is starting to gel and come together and starting to, you know, make the playoff push and make the return to contention, they'll, uh, you know, they'll ideally they'll have cap space to spend on guys that'll fit to add in. And until then, um, you know, it's been very clear and, uh, you know, since Jump Street uh, that, you know, it's not, a, it's not a rush here. So, you know, 2019 is, Seems a little far off still now. Uh, you'd like to think that they, you know, a couple, not maybe this season coming up, but the next one and the one after that you'd like to think that maybe they'll begin to, you know, some of these guys, Noel and Okafor and, you know, hopefully Embiid and whoever else will really start to develop into, you know, the young stars of the league and push the team into at least, a, you know, starting to contend for the playoff team. But, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I wasn't surprised by it. I was surprised by the number itself, seven, but I think it was, uh, you know, more just he was, uh, Dr. J was kind of just saying that, you know, it was all along going to be just a slow process and it's not necessarily off track or slower than expected as some people think it is with, you know, an injury to Embiid or anything like that. You know, Mark, what do you think of these statements by Julius here? And do you think, you know, he's he's a little off in that prediction? Well, I, I'm thinking it was seven years before they contend for a championship. I, I mean, not seven years before they put a decent team on, on the court. So that's about right when you think about it. I mean, maybe five, six years. You know, look at Durant and Westbrook, you know, how long they played together the, the NBA Finals you know, two, about three years ago. Um, so I, I thought of it that way. Um, I also thought um, back in the, in the early 90s, if Sam Hinkie was the GM of the Sixers, I don't think they would have drafted Sean Bradley. I don't think they would have drafted what ended up to be Tim Thomas. You know what I mean? I don't think they would have drafted Larry Hughes. And when you think about, you know, the situation back then, if they would have drafted the best player, uh, they would have had a really, really nice run. I mean, it's also the fact that, of course, if you add better players, you're going to get a better record. I, I understand that. But at, at the same time, I just think if it comes down to management, it comes down to a GM who knows what he's doing. It's a matter of having a plan. Um, it's a matter of sticking to that plan. Um, and uh, I, I think that they're doing that. Um, I, I just look at all, even this whole flurry of free agency that, that we, we just witnessed, the amount of money, and I've been stressing this on, on Twitter since, you know, for the past week, the amount of money being spent on mediocrity to me is unbelievable. <laughs> just mm-hmm. unbelievable. They're, they're tossing money at guys, giving them, like, Dennis Cantor, are you serious? You know, he, he's, I mean, the guy can't play defense. He's, he's okay, but they're afraid of losing him, so they give him, they give him a ridiculous contract. And, and Hinky's not getting caught up in that. I mean, not that he has an opportunity to. I mean, let's face it. But at the same time, he's not, he, 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 he has a plan in place. Whether it works or not, we'll, we, don't, we won't know. But my, my point is, at least he's not wasting money, just throwing money away at some guys to bring him in here. And for that, I, I, I like that. I, I like that a lot because guys are just – they're going to help you stay where you are. They're not going to help you really take that next step. I mean, the only one of the only uh, signings that I really liked was obviously LaMarcus Aldridge. That just made all the sense in the world. It was a great, course, yeah. great signing. Um, all the other ones just, just left me scratching my head, uh, even including DeAndre Jordan and whatever mess, you know, whatever mess that <laughs> is. But uh, <laughs> I, I, he's not wasting – Sam's not wasting his time bringing guys in here who are here just playing for their next contract or to show everybody else what they can do. Um, he, he's trying to build something special here. and Quite honestly, it, it better work or else, or else uh, they're, they're going to uh, be hunting for him like they were hunting for uh, Frankenstein and you know all those guys uh, with, <laughs> with, with the torches and all that. Um, but uh, I, you know, I just see other people just wasting money, and uh, he's not doing that. So, And hats off to him for being patient. Well, you talked about the '90s picks. What about Evan Turner? Would uh, would Sam have picked him? Um, I don't know. I'll be honest with you. I I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I would like to think that he was taking a shot at Demarcus Cousins, um, because he thought that Demarcus was the best player. Um, now, of course, I don't know how Demarcus would have interviewed, and he didn't interview particularly well, from what I understand. But uh, <laughs> but maybe you know. Maybe he would have maybe he would have used Evan differently. I don't know. Uh, but 
with with Evan, I mean, I really like I really liked him coming out of Ohio State. Quite honestly, uh, you know, it's always good to, to to look back and say, oh, I would never have picked him. He, you know, blah blah blah. He had, I liked him. Uh, I just thought that actually when they brought him here, Doug Collins should have made him the point guard and had Drew Holiday play the two, um, which I think would have worked a lot better because Drew had a much better shot, and I and I and I think Turner was a lot more comfortable with the ball in his hand. That's why whenever he had double-digit rebounds, he, he had like over 20 points because he could get the ball and push it. Um, that being said, I mean, he obviously is not the player that everybody thought he was at the two. Um, but I don't know. That, that's a really interesting question. I, I, I wish we could uh, get in a DeLorean and, um, and, <laughs> and have Hayden in place uh, and, and see what, see what would have happened. There. That would have been really interesting. It would have been really interesting. <laughs> no. Well, moving back to, uh, you know, some summer league real quick here. Mike, uh, you know, outside of Jalil and, uh, you know, Pierre Jackson has, has shown some promise, uh, as well as Scotty Wilbekin, but, you know, he probably won't be around here uh, for the upcoming season. Who have you, you know, liked from, from the players on the roster so far? Well, to flip it real quick, my biggest disappointment, to be honest, is Jordan McCray. Uh you know, I think a lot of people uh, shared that same sentiment. He's a guy that, I mean, I'm not not writing him off yet, but he was a guy that I had pegged as potentially you could, uh, you know, depending if you played well in the summer league and training camp, could come in and maybe secure the shooting guard spot, the starting shooting guard spot for the season. Uh, you know, I like him on paper. He's nice size, length, a guy out, out on the perimeter that Hinky would like. He's athletic and shoot the ball to the rim. But then, you know, we got him out on the court out here in, uh, in Utah, and it just seemed like he was forcing things too much, uh, you know, kind of out of control drives. The shot wasn't there as much. He kind of looked uncomfortable uh, with the ball in his hands, trying to create plays for, you know, himself and his teammates. Um, so that being said, I, I was I was definitely disappointed with McCray. Uh, I was probably most most impressed with uh, Arslan Kazemi, who uh, unfortunately for him, I mean, I don't know if he'll necessarily be able to crack the roster considering the uh, you know all the bigs that the Sixers have <laughs> in tow in tow already. But uh, I mean, Kazemi was a guy that you could tell you know was out there just giving it his all, uh, rebounding monster, just going after loose balls, uh, diving on the floor, creating second chance opportunities. Uh, you know, just a really selfless guy. He's a guy you didn't need to run any plays for or anything. He would get his points off of, you know, put back second chance opportunities, things like that. So, uh, you know, I really like the uh, the effort that he brought to the to the floor during his time out there. But, uh, yeah, so he would probably be, you know, the guy that I liked, what I was most impressed with. Uh, you know, Jeremy Grant obviously played pretty well when uh, for the limited time that we got to see him out there. He's another guy that uh, – you know, I think a lot of people will be looking for him to take the, uh, you know, the next step in his game and development this season and really start to develop into, a, you know, a solid player that the Sixers could use in a multitude of ways. Uh, you know, he's, he's a uniquely talented guy in a, you know, sort of like Andre Iguodala type fashion where you could put him in a couple different spots, both, uh, you know, offensively and defensively. And, uh, you know, I think he'll, he's a guy that could see some major minutes with the team this season and going forward if he continues to develop. And Mark, you know, from all our our Twitter arguments and talks, uh, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you seem to love, you know, watching all these young prospects and kind of picking your your choice here for the Sixers. You talked to me about Vince Hunter, um, who hasn't played too well with the Sixers in Summer League, but a few others such as Rashawn Holmes played well before his elbow injury. Uh, J.P. Takoto has kind of shown flashes. 
Uh, what have you liked uh, from some of these, you know, Sixers prospects here? Yeah, I, I like Holmes a lot. Um, and he even showed he has little rings. Uh, he can hit, hit, you know, hit, hit, hit a couple jump shots here and there. Uh, I like Holmes a lot. Um, I, I think he's going to be a really nice fit. Uh, plus, you know, the elbow, it'll be healed by training camp, which, which you know, which, which is a good thing. Um, mm-hmm. Kokoto, <laughs> I actually had a little run-in with him today. Uh, he blocked me on Twitter. Um, <laughs> and, uh, Molly, that's kind of funny. Molly Sullivan uh, tweeted that uh, he was uh, in the pool working on cross-training with, with his family, and I put, well, that's nice, but maybe he should have been in the gym working on his jump shot. Um, but the kid actually <laughs> answered me, and then I went to follow him. Out that, uh, but, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm not losing sleep over it. But the thing is that, that he does. That's what he needs to do. He needs to work on his jump shots. He's athletic as all, all get out. And, um, and, and you know, defensively, I think he's okay. I, I think he's a little overrated. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he, he has some talent, but I'm not really thrilled with him. Um, I like Charles Jackson, what I've seen of him. Um, just an active big. I don't think he's over-talented, but he's that guy who can come off the bench for you and, and just create a little bit of havoc. Um, I, I like what I've seen of him. Um, and uh, But other than that, quite honestly, there, there hasn't been a whole lot that's really excited me. Um, but I like Combs a lot from what, what I saw of him. Um, but uh, no, I think Jack I, – I, like, I, like, I would like them to see more. I would like to see more of Jackson um, just to see what he can do. And uh, after watching the Knicks game the other night, I heard it was it, it surprised everybody. But that kid Endor for the Knicks, huh, if the Knicks yeah. wave, yeah, if, if the Knicks wave him, um, give him a call. You know, because <laughs> uh, I, I liked him. He, you know, any any big that can stick jump shots like he was sticking them, I like him a lot. And I also think they should take a look at uh, at Seth Curry, um, just a kid who can hit shots. Uh, I haven't seen that of anybody on the team um, throughout training, you know, on a consistent basis who can hit shots. Um, they just need guys who can consistently hit shots. Um, <laughs> Stauskas, hopefully Stauskas will be one of them. Um, but Seth Curry can't hurt you. I mean, he's averaging 25 a night in Utah. So, he, you know, he's getting his numbers every night. So um, that's what they need. They need guys who can make shots. And I didn't see anybody. <laughs> Yeah, you would have hoped that uh, that was Jordan McRae, but obviously, yeah, exactly. you know, he struggled. Um, and probably the play of the summer league was this J.P. Takoto dunk from from yesterday. That was unbelievable. That was nice. Once again, this was the State of Independence podcast. I'm your host, Jeff McVenomen, alongside Michael Kasky blomain and our special guest today, Mark Perner. Follow us on the app, Stitcher. Uh, we'll catch you next time with some more summer league coverage and Sixers news. Mark, thanks so much for coming on and we'll catch you next time. Big shots of Mo Cheeks and Moses Malone. Julius Serva, Carfilius Home, Bobby Jones, Daryl Dawkins, and Tony Sinkins Freeze. Rocky Bobo will come from South Philly. But if you want to make it on time to the show, there's only one road that you really have to know. So get to Fishtown without all that job. I suggest that you drive on I 95. Want to get downtown but feeling in the fix? Get on that road, they call 676. The most expensive, expensive piece of interstate. They ever made a better name, pay with what they got to gain. Sixers, Charles Barley.